Just about time to sing the national anthem. That's right, Joe. And singing tonight is Pamela Bell, winner of local grocery store Schnooks Anthem Idol Contest. I hear the girl can sing. Well, let's go to the field. Ladies and gentlemen, here tonight to honor our country by singing the national anthem, please welcome Pamela Bell. getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say I've heard 
It is Monday, October 30th, 2023. Hi, kids. You are at jconthewine.com. Let's start with a programming note. You're not going to like it. There will be no podcasts on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. That is because I am heading with my daughter, who is 14, pulling her out of school for two days, which I have mixed emotions about. But we are going about six hours north of where we are right now to Savannah, Georgia, where we will see Stevie Nicks in concert on Wednesday night. And we're practically sitting on the stage. We have unbelievable tickets. Cost me an arm, a leg, and possibly another leg. I'm not really sure. I'm walking a little funny, so it might be an arm and a leg and a half. I'm not really sure. But anyhow, we're going to see Stevie Nicks up in Savannah. And I know in the past, I've talked a lot about the fact that it's pretty easy to do a radio show from the road these days. If you have a laptop, computer, an internet connection, and a microphone, you can probably do a show from the moon. So if that's the case, JC, why aren't you doing the podcast from the road? Well, it's pretty simple. I did mention that she is 14. And when you have somebody in the house that age, the last time in your life you're going to have somebody in your house that age, certain realities start to seep into your brain a little bit. And to make a long story short, you probably see where I'm going with this. It's only going to be a couple of more years, if that, before she goes over the wall and she ain't going to give a rant's ass about mom and dad. So if you got an opportunity like that, I'm telling you, she is out of her mind about Stevie Nicks. She sat there and watched that entire documentary on, what was it? Was it on Oprah's uh, master class or something like that? She knows everything there is to know about Stevie Nicks, about her personal life, her professional life. I hate to say it this way, but it is bordering on an unhealthy obsession, I guess you'd say. But this is really, you know, sort of a last-ditch attempt at bonding between father and daughter. Mom's got to stay home. She's got to work and take care of the animals. So it's just dad and daughter. And I got a very nice hotel, too. I want this to be one of those trips that she will remember for the rest of her life. And so I don't want to divide my time by saying okay now sweetie uh for the next four and a half hours you go find something to do because dan's going to do a radio show and a podcast i'm just not going to do it i'm dedicating this entire trip to her all of my time all of my attention is going to go to her and i think when it's all said and done you know years from now i will be on my deathbed perhaps and thinking i don't have any regrets about doing that That thing back in 2023 where I took a couple of days off work and just spent the entire time focused on my 14-year-old daughter. We got a problem with any of that? Call somebody at the podcast police. So we got today's podcast, tomorrow's, and then we won't have another one. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do one on Friday. We normally don't do one on Friday, but because you're getting cheated out of uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'll come back and I'll do one on Friday. Speaking of a break I know I've been talking about it. I might just have to do it at some point here. I might have to do it. I might have to take a break from social media. It's just getting too crazy. And as I mentioned last week, there's a couple of new problems that I didn't see coming. A week ago, last Sunday is when I put up that Taylor Swift thing. Now, you got to remember, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, the world seems to be going a little crazy over this Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing. There's also a lot of people running around chattering their mouths who don't pay attention. So they're out there going, well, if she did this, she'd do that. And if he did that, do that. I go, 
Yeah, except that none of that happened. You're not paying attention. Reading comprehension must be really suffering in this country. I don't know how people can do their jobs when they can't comprehend what they read. Or maybe it's just one of those things where when it's social media, people go, no, 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 they see a couple of words and they go, oh, really? That's what he thinks? Well, I'm going to take him down a couple of notches. I think you're full of it, you son of a, you know, and, and this is what people do all day. Latest example is Saturday night. Saturday night, I get word very, very early about Matthew Perry. Double check it. Put it up on Facebook. Immediately, people begin casting aspersions on the uh, potential accuracy of this story. Well, how do you know? (laughs) Well, how do I know anything? Look, about every, I don't know, six, eight months, I make a mistake. I'm human. Maybe for some dumb reason, I didn't check something as thoroughly as I should have, or I trusted the word of somebody who's usually a very reliable source, and they turn out to be wrong. And it's like, well, what happened? Oh, I thought this, I thought that. So it does happen, just doesn't happen very often. And when you stop to think of how much information I spew out just in an average week, if I'm only wrong about every, you know, six, eight, nine months, I'll take that. So I post the darn thing, and and the way I worded it was the way I should have worded it. Again, a lot of this stuff goes back to my training in journalism. I went to college, didn't major in journalism, but as many electives as I could take were journalism classes. And I've worked as a reporter. I worked as a copy editor, been around the news business my entire life. All the time I spent at uh, Channel 5, which was six years, and then uh, Channel 4 was nine years, and then Channel 2 was one year. I had to adhere to all of the rules and regulations and all the policies and styles and everything else that you have to take into consideration when you're operating in a television newsroom, and I had to do all of that stuff. And also, when you work in a newsroom, and I was in there three, four days a week easily, You're around the news business and the reporters and the chatter and just sort of the overall discussion. And you learn a lot. Just, you know, I'm just sitting there at my desk and just the stuff I overheard. Just that alone was a tremendous, uh, I guess you would say, upgrade in my journalistic background. So when the Matthew Perry thing happened, I put up, he's dead of an apparent drowning. Now, here it is, what, uh, two and a half days later, and they still haven't really issued any official cause of death they haven't done an autopsy or anything like that some of that stuff could be a couple of weeks away so within minutes i get a response that says apparent he definitely drowned and i go back and i look at what i wrote did i make a mistake he died of an apparent drowning in other words that's what it looks like right now the police show up and they give their initial assessment and that's what they release to the press and it's like well we don't know that he drowned It sure looks like it, but he may have died from a heart attack. And in fact, there was a heart issue involved. So even now, we still don't know two and a half days later if he had a heart attack and then just, you know, slumped down into the hot tub or if he was messed up on something, even though the police said there were no illegal drugs around. There are quite a few prescription drugs that'll mess you up just as much. But we don't know. We don't know any of this even two and a half days later. So the way I put it, He died of an apparent drowning is correct. The guy says, apparent, he definitely drowned. I'm like, okay, wow. Can't believe I got to explain this, but apparent modifies drowning. Until it's determined the drowning was the cause of death, it is, in fact, apparent. He may have passed as a result of a heart attack. Now, at least in this case, the guy apologized and said, oh, okay, I didn't read it that way. Oh, you're, you're right. Sorry, my mistake. 
in an obvious case of ready, fire, aim. I don't know what it is. I, I, I just don't know. You're a, some sort of celebrity or recognizable sports figure, political figure, some guy on radio or TV, and people just think, well, let's just tee him up and take a few whacks. And I'm just tired of it. And then I don't even know what to tell you about this Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing. I, I, I'm afraid to even look at these numbers. Let me just look. I'm going to look at the most recent number because I didn't look at it this morning. Yeah, here it is. 74,500 views, 2,571 shares. And just to review, I'm going to read this again. I just want to read it one more time here. And I said, it's been a bizarre week for my social media stuff. And based on the responses to two of my posts, I'm convinced America desperately needs a collective remedial reading course. Last weekend's post, in which I attempted to inject a little sobriety into the national debate over Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey that surprised even me, the post has now been viewed over 75,000 times. From what I can gather, some goofy Facebook algorithm picked it up and sent it into kind of a jet stream. The week has been dominated by lots of spam, one attempt at a hack, over 2,500 shares, and hundreds of new followers. But it's also produced more than enough evidence that people can't read. While support for my position is running about 85%, the minority thinks the post was supposed to be some sort of referendum on Taylor Swift. It's not. It's a commentary on how the frenzy over the romance is being treated by the masses. I'll say it again. Actually, I won't. They didn't get it the first time. They won't get it this time either. Oh, here's the updated number. 78,100 views. 7,500 comments, 2.7 thousand shares. And what was the awful, controversial, earth-shattering commentary that I made? Here it is. If I may, an attempt at a moment of sobriety. These two are nuts about one another. All the skeptics who insisted it's all a big publicity stunt, you're wrong. And to the dopes whose response to every bit of news about them has been, who cares? The answer is... Quite a few of your own friends, family members, and fellow employees. I think Taylor Swift is dippy, and I'm not a fan of her music. I don't like 99% of rap music either, but it would be absurd to simply dismiss it. Clearly, somebody out there is buying this stuff and going to the concerts. Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Belinda Carlisle and Mike Marshall of the Dodgers, Carrie Underwood and Mike Fisher, Ciara and Russell Wilson, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez, Andy Roddick and Mandy Moore. I could go on. Why is this being judged so harshly? Kelsey just plopped down a cool $6 million for a house in a gated community. He bought out an entire restaurant so they could have an intimate dinner together. That doesn't sound like somebody chasing publicity to me. And don't blame the media. In quotes, the media. Blame yourselves. Okay, maybe not you specifically, but absolutely the collective you. I guess my question is this. What do you want them to do? Two immensely popular and well-known celebrities are dating. It might be time to leave them alone before we end up with our own Princess Diana situation. Referring to, of course, the fact that the paparazzi was hounding them so badly, the driver of their limo in Paris, you know, wrecks the car and kills everybody. But what happens? Taylor Swift is no Princess Diana. It's not even what I said. Certainly not what I meant. Why is she dippy? Well, she's dippy because on the award shows, and I don't sit there and watch the country music award shows, There, there's one 
seemingly about every three weeks on the networks. Every time you turn the damn TV on, they're handing out awards for country music. And then on top of that, you got the Grammys, the American Music Awards, the MTV Music Awards, and I don't know, there's a couple of other award shows too. There's always an award show on. And she's, she wins everything. But all the excerpts end up on Inside Edition and Entertainment Tonight, and they pop up on Facebook, so I catch it all there. And to me, she seems dippy, okay? That's my assessment of her personality. And all that fake humility when she wins Entertainer of the Year or something like that, she always gives this look like, me? You're kidding. I can't believe it. No, Taylor, everybody knew going into the place that night that you were going to win. So what's with the phony reaction? That, to me, is dippy. She sings okay, and, and she gives a uh, tremendous live performance by everybody's account. She's out there for three and a half hours. She did one show in the rain. She stand there getting completely soaked on stage. And whereas a lot of performers would say, look, uh, you know, we're going to have to cut this short because it's raining like hell out here. Not her. So I respect that. But she still seems a little dippy to me. Why is she dippy? You hate women. <laughs> you know, that kind of crap. And at, at what point to try to explain to people, I don't care about any of this. I don't care. And what I wrote was not a referendum about Taylor Swift. It was a referendum about the way we as Americans react to this stuff and how we pretend we're not contributing to it at all. Okay, maybe not you personally, but your sister, your mother, your cousins, your nieces, the people you work with, your next door neighbors, those people are all contributing to this. Somebody is buying all this stuff. And it might not be you, but you are surrounded by it, and it's closer to you than you think. That was my point. Like I said, somehow this uh, post got swept up into some sort of social media jet stream, and here it is with almost 80,000 views. 80,000! And again, I can't stress this enough. You would not believe the stuff that I delete from my comments page on an ongoing basis. People just figure, oh. He's on the radio. He's talking about Taylor Swift. Let's tee him up and uh, give me my three wood. Bullshit. Not going to just let you whack away at me because of something that you don't even understand in the first place. What is it called? What's that syndrome called? Not uh, cognitive dissonance, although it's not that much different. Oh, uh, uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger effect. A type of cognitive bias where people with little expertise or ability assume they have superior expertise or ability. This overestimation occurs as a result of the fact that they don't have enough knowledge to know that they don't have enough knowledge, which is a fancy way of saying that some people are so stupid that they don't even know they're stupid. And in the process of the whole thing, they actually think they're superior to the people who know things. This is a real thing. So then yesterday morning, I get up and the first thing that I see, the very first thing that comes across my feed is a picture of David Schwimmer and he's uh, in a pool. And then below it is Matthew Perry and he has his eyes closed and he's in a hot tub. And the top says Schwimmer and the bottom says non-Schwimmer. I was like, Jesus Christ. God, the body's not even cold yet. Already they're putting up these really sick, twisted memes. I mean, some people think they're funny, but especially this early on, it's like, ah, geez, you know, I don't know. And I put it up and I said, already? We're doing this already. You got to be kidding me. Well, I'm still getting comments from people now. We're like, I don't know why anybody would make up that meme. And I don't especially know why anybody would repost it. 
you sick fuck. And in a couple of cases, it's from people I know. Do you read? Do you have any reading comprehension at all? You're going to see the goddamn thing anyhow. You might as well see it from me. And when I put up the caption, that's like, already? Already? I'm expressing the very same feelings that you have about it, but you've chosen to believe that I put it up for shock effect, even though that's not what the caption even indicates. I say there's one guy that I've known in the business for a long time. He's been on television. He's been on radio. He was married to a television anchor person, and he's pretty hard right wing. And I never hear anything from the guy like, oh, that was interesting, or, oh, good story, or you did a nice job on that, or that was interesting, I didn't know that. Nothing like that. The only time I hear from him is when he's got a bone to pick with me, and I just sent him a note back on, listen, fucker. I didn't say that. I was thinking that, though. But I basically said what I was just saying here. Why would I put up there already? Already? Expressing not uh, outrage, but I guess at least disappointment. But no, attack me, attack me. If it makes you feel better, you go You go ahead and you do that. But as I said, I'm running into more and more people who have gotten completely off social media, and they seem so happy. I can guarantee if I was not doing this job, I would not be on social media. But you have to do this. There are radio stations now and companies that it's in your contract that you have to be on social media and that you have to post regularly. So I sort of feel trapped in the whole thing, but um, getting really, really close. You know, the other option could be that I would post things, but then remove the ability for people to post under it, which would be a shame if it came to that. But it just might come to that. Now, let's talk about weather. Those poor people at that soccer match last night. It was on FS1, and I was watching that thing from City Park. Jesus, if you weren't covered in plastic, you're probably in the emergency room this morning because it was cold, it was windy, and it was a steady rain, and we lost on top of it, got blown out 4-1. to So Tuesday morning when you wake up, 26 degrees. Tuesday afternoon, windy and cold. High will be 42, but the wind chill factors will be in the 20s all day because of the wind. And I don't know what to tell you if you've got kids, nieces, nephews, grandkids, whatever it is, who want to trick-or-treat tomorrow evening because I was talking about this last week. I remember one year where my daughter was only about five or six, and she had been thinking about Halloween for months and got some sort of little princess outfit or something of that really thin (laughs) material that they make these costumes out of. It's like wearing a butterfly net. She made it to three houses and said, I, I got to go in. <laughs> and when you're six years old and you're saying, I'm going to pass on all this free fucking candy because I'm freezing my little ass off here, that's saying something. Record cold Tuesday night when you wake up on Wednesday morning, 22 degrees. The record is 26. It was sent back in 1954. So we're not going to just break it. We're going to shatter it. There's a freeze warning in effect starting tonight. If you have what they call the tender vegetation, basically anything that isn't a tree grown out of the ground, you better bring it in. Otherwise, it will be shriveled up and burnt to a crisp from the freezing cold Tuesday overnight into Wednesday. Oh, happy birthday to Grace Slick, who is 84 today. The old bat is getting old. I don't like her, and I don't like her for a good reason. This goes back maybe a dozen years or so. We were doing the old morning show, the old morning showgram on K-Hits, me and the U-Man and Laurie Mack and Carl. And we got Grace Slick booked because she's coming into St. Louis. And we're thinking to ourselves, this is great. Think of all the questions you can ask her. I mean, she performed at Woodstock, for heaven's sakes. Just one of the first women 
in a legitimate rock and roll band, you know, the big time, the longevity, White Rabbit all the way back in the, the late 60s, and at this time, it's probably like, you know, 2006. And the other thing we did is we promoted the hell out of it. We're going to have Grace Slick on the air Tuesday morning. Grace Slick from Jefferson Neighborhood. So we did all that. And about an hour before she was supposed to arrive at the station for her appearance on the show, we got a call from her rep. Uh, Grace got an opportunity at the last minute to be on TV. So we're going to have to cancel. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, well, I'll be darned. At least a couple of people in this room, in this studio, have been playing Grace Slick songs for over 50 years. What have the TV stations done for you in the last 50 years? And by the way, you're going to go over to the TV station where some bubble brain like Laura Hediger, who doesn't even know who you are, is going to sit there and ask a bunch of really stupid questions. And you think you're going to get more bang for your buck out of that. Well, that's just fine. You go ahead, but I'm never going to say a nice thing about you again. And I've managed to keep that up pretty well, I think. Henry Winkler, 78. Harry Hamlin from L.A. Law, 72. Kevin Pollack, he's another dick. The last time we had him booked on the show, he shows up like 45 minutes late. The show is ending, and he's standing out in the lobby arguing with the receptionist about how he needs to be put on the air. Well, like, well, the morning show ends at 10 o'clock, and it's like 10 to 10, and so that's not going to happen. Yeah, but my fans, hmm, he's 66, thought he was older than that. Ivanka Trump, 42, Ashley Graham, we got an issue with this too. I happen to think she's great. First of all, I think she's got one of the most beautiful faces of any model I've ever seen. She is the plus size model. Also was the uh, 2018 Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit issue. She was in that. And I think it's pretty ballsy to say, look, I'm really, really heavy, but I'm damn good looking and I still look nice when I'm all dressed up in full hair and makeup. Look at me. So I'm going ahead with it. And considering 70% of Americans are obese on some level, Women especially really appreciate it when they can look at something and go, oh, well, see, now this is fashion or makeup or whatever. This is for people who are on the heavy side. Finally, somebody's doing something for me that I can appreciate. And while all that's going on, you know, this whole anti-fat shaming thing came along. If somebody is what we used to call fat, you can't say that anymore. Otherwise, you're some sort of a bigot and a terrible person. And it's supposed to be okay with us if people are four times the size of a normal human being, we're supposed to be okay with that. Even though the rest of us don't sit there and eat an entire tub of chocolate ice cream and an entire chocolate cake and just stuff our faces like we're at some sort of trough. You know, it'd be really easy for me to just say, fuck it, I'm going to eat whatever I want for the rest of my life and you'll have to deal with it. Try to get on an airplane, these people waddling down the aisle and trying to fit into a seat that's not designed for people that size. They're talking about widening the aisles of grocery stores because people are so enormous now that they can't fit into an aisle of a grocery store anymore. Think about that. So when I've talked about Ashley Graham, I've always said, she's 36 today. It's like, that woman is beautiful. And I mean, stop you dead in your tracks, beautiful. She just happens to be a plus-size model. Well, now, after all that vitriol about how you can't make fun of fat people, and if you do, you're an awful person, then they put the Ashley Graham pictures up, and you can see, clearly, they've been airbrushed. 
and photoshopped. They take all the cellulite or cellulite, whatever it is, out of her, you know, her thighs. They slim her down. The picture sort of turns dark toward the bottom half to obscure the size of her thighs. And they do everything to make her look not as big as she is. So which is it? Are we supposed to not make fun of people who are overweight? Is it, for some people, the new norm? Or are we still trying to conceal the fact that she is that heavy? It's got to be one or the other. It can't be both. Oh, people are just pissing me off these days. Um, As long as we're dealing with assholes, let's deal with Stuart Copeland. I've told this story before. We were doing uh, live shows from the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles. It was either 90 or 91. And you know the story. It would be like 30 radio stations from all over the country. Howard Stern was right down from us. And they would bring in like uh, Fleetwood Mac. And Fleetwood Mac would just hop from table to table to table. And they could do a 10-minute interview on 30 radio stations in just a couple of hours. It's pretty efficient. And one year, I think it was 91, they say, hey, we're bringing in Stuart Copeland. And we're like, that's fucking great. All right. And I remember thinking to myself, well, the police are broken up. What's he going to promote? And we get this little sheet that he's got a new band called Animal Logic. Him, another guy, and then some chick. And I listened to a couple of tracks, and it was like sort of jazz. It didn't sound anything like the police, and it didn't really sound like anything else that was on the radio. Consequently, the album tanked. And so apparently, Stewart comes into this thing knowing full well that he's going to hop from station to station to station, admonishing people for not playing his new album, Animal Logic. So we got to our table. We're like, hi, we didn't know any of this yet. We didn't find out until afterwards. And he sits down. He was just a total dick to us. Oh, you're a classic rock station. means you don't play any new music. All right, well, fuck you, basically. Like, so let me see if we get this right. You came all the way over here just to yell at us? Go fuck yourself. And now he says he admits there were times in the final days of the police that he wanted to, and these are his words, choke the life out of Sting and quote, yeah, well, guess what? I'm going to side with Sting on this. Game three of the World Series tonight, Texas at Arizona. They're tied at a game apiece. The action has been fantastic. The entire postseason of baseball has been great. Mizzou getting ready for Georgia this weekend. Magic Johnson, now the fourth pro athlete to reach billionaire status, joining Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Tiger Woods. John Mazalock was hired on this date 16 years ago. The Cardinals have not won a playoff series since 2019 and have won just one since 2014. Just keeping it real. Keeping it real. Here's another guy who I idolized, Steve Allen. This guy invented The Tonight Show, did a couple of different reincarnations of it, including a syndicated version that aired around the country in 1969 and 70, and that was even better than the original Tonight Show. It was a one-hour thing, and it was just sensational. And I, I wanted to be Steve Allen. So again, 1990 at the Grammy Awards, he and Jane Meadows come by. We have a wonderful conversation. They had already been at a couple of other radio stations. They got to us, and I got the distinct impression that we were really the first radio station that had any idea the scope and the depth of his work, and he just lit right up. So did Jane Meadows. He autographed a copy of his book, took some nice pictures, 
And like right after that, he started going off the deep end. He became some sort of moralist or something. He started taking out full page newspaper ads like in Los Angeles and New York to criticize the television networks for putting, I don't know, it was like two and a half men on or something. Anything that had, you know, any sort of naughty aspect to it, suggestive stuff like on pretty much everything on TV now. But I mean, he really made this his life's work. He was really, really coming on strong with this criticism of what we were all watching on TV. Usually it was the biggest shows. And then uh, everybody remember Jay Thomas? Jay Thomas was the guy who used to come on the Christmas show on Letterman all the time and try to knock the meatball off the top of the Christmas tree. And he would tell the story about the Lone Ranger. And it was just great every single time he told it. Well, Jay Thomas, also he had a role on uh, Cheers. But the way he got all of this stuff was he was doing a morning radio show. It was actually for the company we were working at when we were at KSD. They had a station in Los Angeles, and Jade Thomas was doing the morning show at that station. And they had billboards and bus cards all over Los Angeles that said, I forget the name of the radio station, K whatever it was, K something something something, would like to apologize for what Jay Thomas said on the radio this morning. The idea being people would look at it and go, what did I miss? What did he say? that the station is apologizing with billboards and bus cards, I better listen. And it worked, by the way. So Steve Allen, who's living in California and driving around seeing all this stuff, takes great offense. Why should a radio station have to apologize for what one of the people on their radio station has said? Sort of missed the entire point. He just turned really, really sour. And at the age of 78, got in an auto accident, which I believe caused a heart attack and he died right there 23 years ago today i wish i had something more upbeat and uplifting but i it's just, i didn't plan for the podcast to be this sort of sour today it's just all this stuff i think the pandemic did serious damage to the psyche of this country i'll go into that in more detail somewhere down the line in a future podcast but i think this country got more fucked up over the pandemic than we want to admit all I know is I'm going on a road trip with my 14-year-old daughter on Wednesday. We're going to see an awesome concert on Wednesday night. We're going to come back. We'll take it up then. But I'll be back tomorrow with a morning show on 101.5 and 101.7 and streaming at kwolf.com. We'll do a podcast, and then we're going to be off for two days. And we'll get everything back together after that and go at it. As always, you can contact me, jc at jconthewine.com. I reluctantly give you my Facebook <laughs> address, the showgram with JC Corcoran. Now, after all that, we're all going to freeze to death on top of it. Well, try to make the best out of it. That's it. That's enough. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The JC Corcoran Podcast. 